Hello and welcome to Conversations with Kath, the podcast that keeps you up to date with the daily antics of your mother, your Alma, your friend, or whatever Kath Vanderhorst is to you. So grab a glass of Harvey Bristol, put the phone on silent, and let's see what's been keeping our favourite nine-year-old busy this week. And it's a very good evening to Alma Kath. How are you tonight, Alma? I'm very well, thank you, Matt, and how are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. I had a, um, a delivery come today off the... Off the back of Uncle Bob's episode, I went and ordered some uh, Droste cocoa powder and some Moshes and chocolate sprinkles and Fritz, Fritz sauce. And, yeah, we opened it up, opened it up tonight and I gave a little a taste test to the girls of the, the Moshes and the, the chocolate sprinkles, which they're looking forward to having on their toast tomorrow morning. So. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. We also had um, uh, Yolanda asked the question about snurt. Now, no one's brought that up yet. Uncle Bob didn't bring that up. And I wasn't sure if anyone knew that that was. I did Google it, but I just wanted to see if you knew what it was. Well, tell me how it's spelled, Matt. Well, she gets very S-N-E-R-T. Snert. You know, that's pea soup. Yes, that's what it is. Pea soup, it is. Pea soup and pancakes (laughs) we used to have. Yes, she did mention the pancakes, yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm guessing... I'm guessing it didn't, it didn't make Bob's list, so I'm guessing you maybe didn't have it much as growing up or it just tasted how it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> the kids didn't like it. It, looked, it was green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it, but I don't think the kids were very uh, impressed with it. We had blocked it from our memories. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry to bring it back in. <laughs> Um, how, how's your week been, Norma? this week? What have you been, oh, what have you been up to? Oh, very good, On um, Sunday, I, um, I had uh, Peter and um, Peter rang me. On uh, Monday, I had Ali and Ryan, you know, and they're always good company, you know, <laughs> these two. <laughs> they keep me going. Keep you on your toes, um, yeah, on it's good. Tuesday, on Tuesday, I went to the garden centre. Somebody picked me up and I did some uh, potting and, you know, whatever. On Wednesday, I went out with the seniors. Oh. Thursday, I stayed home. And Friday, I think your mother took me to, um, to, um, to Garfield, to the doctor, and, uh, because I had to have my blood pressure checked. Oh, so, exciting trip. That was the end of the week. So and pretty full on week. Had... What did Mick cook you up this week? Oh, this one. Oh, hang on. Oh, good question. It was nice, whatever it was. It was memorable. I can't remember. <laughs> Probably a good place to uh, bring in our special guest now. That's right, Matt. Tonight's guest enjoys glamping in the Victorian high country and fishing with dynamite. When he's not locating underground cables, he's locating items almost misplaced. It's everyone's favourite baby brother. Say hello to Mick Vanderhorst. Uncle Mick, how are you tonight? I'm very well, thanks, Matt. How are you? Good, good, pretty good, pretty good up here. Thanks for um, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Now, Mick, we have, have chatted a lot about Glenn Rowan in these podcasts so far. Um, and for those playing at home, you you were born in '69, and I think you guys moved from Glenn Rowan pretty much after that, or maybe a year or two after that. So you don't really that really isn't really part of your life. So what I'd like to talk about tonight is is a bit of the the Tainong days, because that's probably where you spent most of your, your childhood and your adolescence growing up. Um, and I'm still there. And, you, and you're still there, yeah. Well, it's a good, it's a good place, Mick. Yeah. 
so but before we get into that, Olmo, let's talk about why why you why you moved to Tainong. What was the, the reasoning behind coming down to Tainong? Oh well Opa resigned from the railways and of course um, we um, he had to do something so we bought a shop in Darnham. Um, it, it was a, a grocery store and also a post office and it had a mail round and things like that, but I hated the shop. That was a completely new venture, wasn't yeah. it? Like none of you oh, had experience yeah. in, in shopkeeping before, no. had you? Right. No, no, no. So um, I, um, I told Opa one day, you know, if you don't sell that bloody shop, I'm gone. <laughs> I just didn't like it. So we, uh, we put the shop on the market and uh, we sold it. It was in, uh, oh, well, maybe a fortnight. Wow, okay. Quick so, and of course, we had to move out and then we had to go and find some accommodation, which was very, very hard because every time we went and looked for something, people said, oh, and have you got a family? And in the beginning, I used to say, oh, yes, we've got, uh, yeah, we've got a family. Uh, children, yeah, we've got seven children. That, that was it. <laughs> that was it. No. <laughs> so we were that desperate, Matt. We had nowhere to go. The shop was taken over. We had to move out. And we, we, we had to go in the motel unless we found accommodation. So this particular Saturday morning, we were driving around Weigel, uh, Opa and I. We had to go to the bank and I said, let's go and see if anybody is moving out. So we moved around to Eichel and in Gloucester Place, opposite um, the golf course in, um, in um, Wargel, there was a removal van parked there. So I said, stop the car, stop the car. <laughs> so we got out and we talked to the people and they said, oh, no, 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 we're, um, we're moving. This is not our house and, uh, and, uh, and we're going. I said, but can you give us the address of the owner? So they did that. And when they rang, rang the owners, they said, oh, these people were convicted. And uh, well, yeah, I said, look, we, we are desperate. We're desperate. We sold our shop. We've got a family. We've got seven kids. <laughs> We've got two dogs as well. So um, they said, oh, the place needs to be cleaned. And we said, don't worry about cleaning. We clean. So they gave, us a, they gave it to us over the phone. And they were the traders from from. Um, uh, Jerrigan. They had a business themselves and many years later they joined because we had a, an organization which was called Foster Parents Indonesia, Indonesia and one day Bill Ruiter he said we've got some new new members and you know them and I said who are they and they said look they're the traders from, from uh, Yerewonga. You know you were the people that had nowhere to go with seven kids and two dogs. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, we moved in there and we stayed there for, you know, I don't know how long, but then Opa had to go back to the railways to uh, finish off some uh, paperwork and they offered them a job and they said, you know, come back, we'll, we're desperate for a leaving station masters. So, um, he came home that night and he said, what do you think? And I said, we'll go back tomorrow and take the job, <laughs> which he did. And that's where his relieving work started. So in the meantime, we had also put a deposit on a little place in Tainong, the post office. 
because we couldn't, um, yeah. But the deal fell through because somebody was in before us and yeah. So the agent one day rang Wilma, who was still working in the shop in Darnham, and said, look, Tom Florence rang and wants to know if you're still interested. And I rang that that night because he was relieving in, I don't know, Tura, I think. And uh, I said to him, the shop is up, for, the post office is up for sale. And he said, I'm not resigning from the railways. And I said, you don't have to, I'll do it. <laughs> So that's how come we got to Tynham. How do you feel about um, going from a shop to a post office? Because a little bit similar. Oh, sort of... Wonderful. Yeah, it was right. really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It had an exchange that had to be worked seven, 24 hours a day. A lot of the kids did it. They all knew how to um, work the exchange. I never seen an exchange. We had to do. Um, a bit of a test, Wilma and I, and uh, I had to sit for an exam, it's Australia Post, make sure I knew what I was doing. And uh, yeah, and we took it from there. And wow. then when, uh, when the exchange went, Opa and I and John and Michael went to Holland. That was the first time I went back home after 24, 25 years. So, but in the meantime, my dad had passed away, so. Yeah, Mick was only little, and Johnny, well, I didn't leave him behind with all the others. And, oh, uh, that was, okay, so that was the year that Johnny went over, and you took, yeah, and Mick, yeah, Mick went uh, over as well. Yep, yeah, okay. Yeah, we took Michael and, uh, yeah. All, yeah. These, all these timelines are coming together slowly. So, Mick, how yeah. old were you when you were in Tynong? Like, were you four or five, a bit older, or? Uh, yeah, it would have been five or six, I suppose, when they first moved. Five or six, okay. So, did you, had, you, had you started primary school somewhere else, or you, you started down at? No, I went to um, uh, Iona. Yep. And I think I think I spent six months at the convent school road one, and then we went across to Iona School, and then from there we went to St James in Narragoon. Right. For those playing at home. Myself and my brother went to St. James as well. Uh, so growing up in a, in a post office, which back then a post office probably, like Alma said, had the exchange. It was probably a lot more busier than a post office would be today, I guess. Was it, what was that like growing up? Was it always busy in there or was it, were we able to play in there or, you know, work in there or do anything in there? Well, I sort of, I don't recall a lot about it. Um, like, as you know, it's a separate sort of room to the rest of the house. So basically, you know, if you needed to ask mum or dad or anything, you, you basically wandered in there. Um, and apart from that, well, you just stayed in the, in the main house. Stayed in the main um, house, yeah. I, do, I do recall when I was little and I, um, I was sick with the flu and the mumps or something. I remember the old man was in the post office at the time. And I walked in and said, oh, can you go to the shop and get me something or something or other? And I sort of fainted and fell face first at that bloody safe they had sitting there oh. and smashed on. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to the shop still? <laughs> Sorry? No, no, no. That, that was at the post office. Oh, that was at the post office. <laughs> yeah. But, but the, safe, the safe that I face planted is actually in the shop. <laughs> now. Oh, ouchies. Yeah. 
Because oh, that, they had that shop or that post office for quite some time until you turned 60, didn't you, Alman? So how, how long would that have been? When I turned what? 60. Is that when you retired from the post office? Uh, I retired when I was 63. 63, yes. okay. Actually, I, I didn't really retire. Um, the big boss from Melbourne came around and um, uh, told me that um, I had three options. I either could sell, because Australia Post was doing away with all these non-officials, because Australia, China was a non-official office. We did exactly the same as the, the official post, post office, except we had a license to operate. So they said to me, yeah, you can do one of three things. You can stay here for as long as you like, and we can pay you your salary, or you can take, take the package and get out. So, and I was 63 and none of the kids were interested in the title post office. So I decided I'll, I'll get there, Jump I'll in. go. Yeah. Which I did, and because we owned the premises, so we just closed the door. Oh. And the post office then was transferred to the local shop and it's still there. Yeah, yeah. And, and they did some, Pauline did some training with you, didn't she, before she took that over, yeah, I remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I, I think at that time she was doing the mail raid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she took it on and uh, that was it. Were you ever lucky enough to work the exchange, Mick? Did you ever get that task? Uh, no, that was, um, I don't even really remember it, to be honest. So that was taken uh, no. out before? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I never worked it. Uh, right. But you did, um, following, like, after high school, was that when you started your apprenticeship as a chef? Yes, yeah, about 1986. 1986, okay. And I, um, mum actually mentioned, or might have been, been dad or someone, but mentioned that you were, I don't, I don't really remember this, but you were staying down at our, the Narry Warren house we used to live at, is that right? You, you were your apprenticeship with... Uh, yeah, was, is that accurate? At the, um, I started off at the post office tavern in Melbourne. Yep. And then from there, I got transferred to the Fountain Gate. And yeah, so basically, I used to, I used to catch a train to your parents' place, um, and I'd get there probably early, and uh, and then sort of wait there until my shift started at basically ten o'clock in the morning, and oh, then right. I'd wander. Around to the um, shopping centre and go to work, basically. Yeah. Huh. yeah. And then so, get the train back that night or because you would have, would you have finished late cooking, cooking meals there? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I caught the train back or someone picked me up or, yeah, something like that. I can't really remember, to be honest. And you did the, um, the commute all the way into the city. Was that, was that five days a week for the, the post office hotel? Uh, yes. Yeah. But that, oh, was, wow. that was easy. Get on the train here and, and, um, off of Flinders Street and walked two blocks up and there was work. Right. And then hopped back on the train at 9.30 at night and come home again. So, so was there any, as a, a budding young chef, was there any cooking that you did at the Owen Opa's house? Like any experiments or you were just too, too yeah, tired by the end of the day to do that? Uh, no, I, I did a little bit on the weekends. I, I remember sort of making some apricot parfait one, one day and having to wait for the chooks to lay the final egg that I needed. <laughs> it was about 20 eggs I needed. So I don't think mum and dad were all that impressed when I used all the eggs. But anyway, the ice cream was nice. Playing to their, um, 
they're sweet tooths. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. And then from there, yeah. you were um, a chef in Warrigal, is that right? Did, did you go from, or where did you go from Fountain Gate after that? Uh, to the Matthew Flinders in Chadston. Ah, right, okay. Yep. Uh, and then while I was there, I sort of, um, I roamed around a little bit. I did a little, little stint in um, Skyways in Essendon, um, the depot in Richmond. Uh, one of their sons owned a bakery in um, Mitcham. So I did a, a three-week stint at a the bakery there. Um, that would have no, been, I, I was going to say that the, the bakery, was that a completely different sort of skill set or was, because work, working those, those, those pubs and taverns and things like that, um, compared to working in a bakery, which is obviously bread and pastries, did you do pastries as well? He, he didn't so much bake bread, he did the pies and the cakes and things like ah, that. Okay. So yep. basically we just made snot boxes and, and you know, okay. I filled the meat pies with, um, with the meat filling. Um, you know, we put the pastry through the dough breakers and, you know, lined all the tins and made the pies in there. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was a good experience. Uh, oh. And it wasn't, wasn't an early morning start as such because he didn't bake the bread. So it was like, I think I started at maybe 5.30 or something like that. So it wasn't ridiculous. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. probably a good way to do oh, it. Yeah. yeah. So then after all that, that was when I went to Warrigal. And you, because you were there for quite some time, Warrigal, weren't you? Um, yeah, 11 years in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, just, I think, just got, got sick of cooking the, uh, yeah, you got, got sick of cooking all that. Yeah, got sick of cooking chips. So I, I knew a bloke that I was, um, cutting some wood off his property and, uh, Sort of talked to him one day and he said, oh, well, don't really work for me. So that's how I ended up at Mabel Constructions. So, and, Mabel, and what do you do at Mabel Constructions? Um, I mainly do the locations for the company. So before they stick the directional drill in the ground or they you know, start digging holes or anything, I've got to go and find all the gas mains and water mains and things like that. Because you know how dopey those directional drillers are. They'll drill through anything. So, yeah. Uh, especially like those blue things, the optic fibers. Yeah. <laughs> They're expensive to drill through, I imagine. Yeah, they are quite. Yeah. That's interesting yeah. because a lot of people change jobs throughout their careers, but to have a complete career change like you've had, um, you know, not, not many people do that. So to, um, yeah, to have the, uh, I guess, the courage or the, you know, the guts to go and do completely something different that's, that you've, you've not known is, is yeah, is fantastic. Wow. I'd, I'd, I'd had enough of cooking to the point where, you know, I just wanted to get out. So just go and do something else. Yeah. And that, that offered to me. So I went, well, I'll give it a go. Haven't looked back since. Uh, wow. Mm -hmm. so starting, to, <laughs> starting to regret these decisions now. But so, uh, we might be looking at getting back into cooking very soon. Interesting. Ooh. You've heard it here first on uh, yeah. conversations with Kath. Yeah. <laughs> what about your love for um, the outdoors, Mick? Because ever since I've I've known you growing up, you've, you've always loved going off camping and fishing and seeing uh, a lot of the country, especially um, you know the big, big high country, Tasmania, the wilderness. I guess. Where did where did that come from? Where did that start? 
was it just started in the backyard or was it from um, did, um, did you go camping with Opa or any of the, uh, the other guys or well my my earliest memories of camping was actually with your father he used to take me up to um to big river oh, right. um, okay. out the back of the uh, in his DH, the old DH wagon that he had. Yeah. Uh, so we used to go yeah, pretty much bush bashing up through the Big River State Park. Yeah, right. And that's basically where it all started from there. Awesome. And I, I used to go back to the same spots. And then after that, I discovered Amy Allen. Sort of been going there for the last 25 years. Yeah. Probably 30 years now, actually. 30 years. Because you're still going there today with your kids as well, Amy? Yeah, yeah, I've got um, I've got a plan, a trip planned for February, um, but it was what three years ago, I think. Last time we were up there, two years yeah, ago. Okay. Two years ago, I think. So, yeah, you know, I try to get up there every year, but it doesn't always happen. Yeah, is it something different every year, or the same sort of camping spot, or? Oh, well, I actually wouldn't call it camping anymore. It's more glamping. I rent a house. <laughs> Uh, with the two little kids, it's sort of a little bit more difficult to go camping. Yeah. So, and, you know, also with Auburn up there, I mean, you don't stick her in a tent. Yeah, true. Uh, I guess as your, um, your kids do get a little bit older, though, they'll, they'll probably want to start camping in a tent. And, um... Yeah, well, I'll probably still rent the house and stick the tent in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. Everyone wins that way. Yeah. Although we have set the tent up in the lounge room for them. Oh, yeah. So, How'd that go? Yeah, Good. Comes Come school holidays, Ellie likes to sleep in the tent in the land room. <laughs> Good on her. <laughs> and you've been taking Omer up there for quite some time now as well, haven't you? There used to be, like, for years we're talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, her last trip was two years ago, two or three years ago. Um, her first trip, wow, I don't really know. It's probably, probably 15 years prior to that. Yeah. So, and what yeah. do you like about Omeo Omer? Is it just... Oh, I loved yeah. it. I loved it, man. Yeah. Mick used to go fishing and I sit there and uh, take my netting or whatever. And oh, I yeah. did some uh, fossicking. All oh, right. You know, we hired one of these, um, whatever they called. Roll detector. Yeah, detectors. Yeah. You know, get, all what I found was rusty nails and bits of tire. <laughs> <laughs> but that, it was a good, good experience. It, that was great. You know, we, we, Mick hired this little... Uh, Oh, well, like a bungalow thing, like a bit of a hut, nothing fancy. And he used to um, cook all the meals outside and we sit there and we do some stargazing and things like that. Yeah, they were great tips. We did it for many years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. a good one-on-one um, one -on -one bonding session yeah. too, I guess. And these oh, people, they were very nice, you know. We knew, we knew the owners and uh, they were very nice people. So... You didn't get too cold yeah, up there? Yeah. Um, it can get cold up there from time to time. Um, like Sarah had to bring the kids back one year because um, it was too cold for them. Said that, I think the kids were too cold. Um, <laughs> but, sorry? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, in years gone by when I used to actually camp up there, yeah. Um, I recall one morning where I was sort of sleeping in a trailer and it's got a canopy on it. Um, and I'm laying, I woke up and I was laying there thinking, 
oh, it's cold. I dragged it up my sleeping bag and went, oh, it's really cold. I touched the inside of the, the, um, the tent and it was all frozen. <laughs> and then I, then I tried to undo the zipper on the, on the canopy. It took me about 10 minutes to work the zipper up. And then once, once we sort of opened the flaps of the trailer, everything was just pure white. Not wow. snow, just frost. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 10 think- litres for the fire. <laughs> we were nice and toasty. Yeah, you're trapped in there for a minute, yeah. Yeah. Going to say another trip there. I, I got there at mm, probably midnight or something and just went to sleep in the back of the trailer and got woken up at 6 a.m. by the shotguns. <laughs> it was a dark, dark season, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. it wasn't, wasn't a real pleasant awakening, I think. Jeez, yeah, what a wake-up yeah. crack of dawn. Now, from, from there, you've also gone to, to Tassie as well and taken on one of a few trips. So, across on the, on the ferry or the boat, sorry, on the ferry, um, the boat. Spirit of Tasmania? Well, she's actually only come across the once, once with us. Oh, right, twice. okay. Wedding, yeah. Oh, well, she came across for the wedding, obviously. Um, and last year, year before, 2019. There you go. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, and was that sort of the same, was that a, like a bit of a, a trip around Tassie itself or did you have a, a spot that you like to go there that you took her to? Well, we, we, we have our main spot in Hobart, where we yep. stay. Um, but that particular trip, we did travel a fair bit. Um, she, she also had some friends over there. So basically the first day we got there, we, we dropped her off at her friends. Um, me, Sarah and the kids went off caving, went to the, um, Wow, caving. Awesome. Yeah, some caves. Um, and then picked all more up and then we sort of moved around Tassie from there. So we spent 10, 10 days, two weeks, yeah, something, two weeks. something like that, two weeks. So, nice so yeah, Hobart, Launceston, where else did we go? Sheffield. Uh, had, had you seen much of Tasmania prior to that, Omar, or was that your, your first oh, well, trip? Oh, well, I went there uh, many years ago with Peter. He hired one of these um, oh, camper van things, and yeah. it was Peter and Dawn and I think Steph, Mm. Lewis wasn't even there yet, so we travelled around, and uh, yeah, and then years later I went with with Michael, and I have good friends. I had good friends in uh, Tassie. People that used to live in Tarno, they moved to um, Launceston, and when I went with Mick and Sarah, they um, we stayed the first night. I think the first night there, and uh, um, yeah, so we. Uh, I think Mick had, had an, uh, did you have an apartment or where we stayed, somewhere? Yeah. 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 Which was so really nice. Yeah. Like Sheffield and it had all the murals that people had painted. Oh, oh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a caravan yeah. park shack unit thing. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I enjoyed Tassie. It's very nice. The climate is good and people are nice and yeah. It's nice to drive around here. Yeah. Excellent. So. Also want to talk about, Mick, all the things you do from him because you are the closest to a geographically. You're just 100 or so metres down the road. Um, yeah. oh, what did you have for dinner last night, by the way, Mick? What did you cook that Alma can't remember? Um, Slow-roasted pork shoulder. <laughs> we put a bit of effort into that as well. 
Ask me what, what I had back last week for dinner, and I can remember. Burnt toasted sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was it. Yeah, we all know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, as the uh, the closest there, Mick, you're probably the um, the watchful eye on Omar, aren't you? I mean, you, well, apart from all the jobs in terms of mowing the lawn and the upkeep and, and things like that, um, yeah. apparently there was a, a bit of an intruder last week. I heard. Uh, last week or the week yeah. before or something like that uh, no so i think you're referring to the possum yes <laughs> i am oh, yeah. that's yeah, a few years. the dog woke me up and when i had a look i couldn't find anything I and mean, when i turned the light on in the front room there was this possum hum hanging off the curtain rail it was four o'clock in the morning and i thought oh my god what am i going to do now i can't ring make makeup so I made a cup of tea, put the dog in the, in the, in the laundry and the cat, and made myself a cup of tea and waited until 4.30 and then I rang him. I said, he said, what happened? And I said, oh, you have to come, Mick. I've got a, I've got a possum hanging off the curtain rail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, oh. He climbed through the dog to the, the thing in the roof. You know where we had the cat? Cat yeah, used yeah. to go with the roof. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's where the possum got in. So, wow. yeah. so but then, anyway, Mick came and got rid of it. Save the day. We put him on yeah. the railway yard, in the railway yard in the tree. He's probably still there. <laughs> Hasn't <laughs> come back. Six thirty V-line probably cleaned him up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if not the possum. Because every time something goes wrong, you know, if my phone con king uh, conks out and or if I can't do certain things. So, I'll either ring Mick or Sarah. <laughs> they okay. probably get sick of me. <laughs> but they're yes. very good, you know, they're, they're uh, apart from doing, and, they, and I'll go there for a, for a meal a couple of times yeah. a week. Very nice. With the, yeah. So, yeah. Can't remember what you ate. Do you get many calls like that, Mick? Sorry? Do you get many of those kind of phone calls? Ah, uh, possum. Uh, what? Prostitutes? I'll say it's, no, I don't get the calls for the prostitutes. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they, they call on you, not me. So just expand on these prostitutes that you, well, didn't order, but they uh, arrived at your house, Alma? Yeah, two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I woke up and they rang the bell. No, the, oh, well, they rattled the door and I went and had a look and I sort of, you know, carefully made my way down and and there was this lady all dressed up she had a minder sitting across the road in the end i asked her what was the problem and she said well you called us and i said no we didn't <laughs> no business here guess what i was nearly going to send her to dominic next door i should have <laughs> i should have <laughs> but that oh. happened three or four times matt until I got, I told Frank one day and he must have fixed it. So I didn't hear from him anymore. But once I knew what they were, they were quite harmless. Was it the same lady rocking up each time or a different? Uh, oh, they were different, different, yeah, okay. uh, different, different women. Different yeah. cup of tea or something. But the thing was, you know, they had to go to 44 Railway Avenue. But they had to turn wrong because <laughs> for Railway Avenue goes from Tainong to, is it Bunyip? Yeah. 
Yeah, all the way to Banyan. Ah, so I, I, your mother and I, we drove around one day and I said, let's have a look and see where 44 Railway Avenue is. And we found the place. And there was <laughs> a few blocks there. Yeah, there and they go. were calling. <laughs> so, so you're that was all. Once I knew what was going. And I used to shut the door from now on. Now I close the door, if I remember. <laughs> Lock it, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was always generally Lock open, it. wasn't it? I unlocked your door. It's like it's like when we uh, when we, the whole family went overseas. You know, we couldn't find the back door key, so Opa put the shovel under the door. Everybody left, and I was the last one there. And I left the front door wide open. We came back three weeks later, and we said, "Oh, we've been broken into." Nothing, nothing was missing. <laughs> I just forgot the door. I've shut the door. Oh, God. What about yeah, um, is Alma yeah. forgetting anything these days, Mick? Where you've got a phone off the hook, or is there any issues with, with that kind of thing? Or are you up there more frequently than you need to be? No, no, not really. Um, is she forgetting anything? Oh, she forgets most things. Uh, we yeah. we hear the story. <laughs> Over and over again. No, <laughs> um, oh, I should forget you said that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it's like goldfish. Um, yeah, no, she's, she's not really any drama. I mean, Sarah's just reminded me that uh, the last sort of uh, critter she had was a blue tongue lizard that we had to go and arrest. Uh, <laughs> they come into the, the house as well. No, no, it was in the old chook pen. Oh, the chook pen. I think, I think Alma was trying to nurse it back to health, but I think uh, it was a little bit beyond that in the end. I remember the time, Matt, when he, um, when he was working for Sagamis and he only had his license, oh, not very long. And uh, he was meant to be home at about, uh, I don't know, 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock when he finished the job. And I went to bed, Opa, no, Opa was still around, so we went to bed and I woke up at midnight and Mick wasn't home and I thought, I went there to bed and had a look and we still had the post office in them days and Mick wasn't there and I thought, oh my God, I hope he hasn't got an accident or something has happened. So I waited along, went back into bed, got out again and Opa told me off in the end. So in the end I said, in the old post office in front of the exchange and I rang Frank and I said, Frank, Frank, can you, and he was on duty and I said, look, Mick, it's one o'clock and Mick still has not been home. Can you check if something has happened? So he rang me back and he said, it's all right, mum, go back to bed. And as I got up from the chair, Mick stood behind me. I was nearly ready to strangle him. <laughs> And I said, where the freaking hell have you been? And he said, I was talking to the boys at the corner shop. <laughs> and here, here I was, you know, was that worried? Something had <laughs> happened. And he was, he was about four doors up talking to all the blokes at the corner shop. <laughs> Mick, you've got, you got to let your mother know where you are, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just down the road, Oma. Back of him now. He, I don't think he will do that anymore now. No, he'll always uh, call, call, yeah. let you know where he is. It's good. All right, we might um, open up the mailbag now. Return to send up. Address unknown. 
Tonight's question comes from your third grandson, Paul Olmer, and he wanted to know why you stopped driving. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled the car. You rolled the car. I rolled the car. <laughs> Where were you driving to that you rolled your car? I was going to the butcher in Garfield. <laughs> right. And I think it was uh, around about Easter time, and I had to... I was still working, so in between uh, 12 o'clock and 1.30, I had to go and get meat, you know, for Easter. So I hopped in the car and off I went, and I didn't go very far. So uh, I rolled the car. And, of and course, my philosophy was never to take grandkids. So it was by myself. Ah, good philosophy. That worked out right. Yeah. Which, which road did you take? Did you take the... Um... The Bitchman Road, the, the safe road? road and, the, and the Shire had just been and, and cleaned up the road and I must have ended up in the gravel. I was never a very good driver. I was going to say, were you so, doing some burnouts or snakies up and down the road? Were you? No more. <laughs> so that was it. That was the, um, that was the it. nail in the coffin. No more driving after that. That's fair enough. An accident yeah, like no that would probably spook, no. spook a lot of people. No. Well, lucky you were. And I had a nice car. Oh, it wasn't a new one. It was a second-hand one. And then one night, Dad Frank was working for the railways. I'm dobbing Frank in. No, I'm dobbing Robert in. Uh, there was a big, big uh, railway strike on, and Frank needed to come home. Well, we decided we'll go and pick him up. So off we go. And when we came back with Frank, Dad put the car in the, in the shed, and my car was still there. And we didn't look at the car anyway. When I got into the kitchen, Robert said, um, oh, well, uh, well um, we had a bit of an accident. And I said, what, what happened? We rolled your car. <laughs> so we went and had a look. He rolled the car all right. I forgot what he said. No what? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> and he was going to pick up some friends from... Uh, Mary. From uh, Merinol, I don't know who. There's a few blocks were in it, and uh, he, he rolled the car at um, where Car on Tynong Road, you know where Carl has, and he towed them back, and they put the car back in the shed, <laughs> and the car was all dented up. It ended up on the roof, didn't it? Right over. Eh? Right over. Yeah. Right over. So, but they did come. These kids were very good, you know. I won't tell you what they said. They'll do painted on the car, and uh, they come came every night and bogged it all up and cleaned it all up and yeah fixed oh, it. Oh, good on them! And yeah. then it start again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ah. yeah. And I drove it for a little while until I rolled it, and I thought that's it, no more. There you go. Well, I hope that answers your answers your question, Paul. Almost doing some um, crazy yeah. driving. All right, well, that just about wraps it up for Conversations with Kath this week. Uncle Mick, thanks very much for coming on and um, sharing your stories about the Tai Long days. That's good. That's filled a bit of a gap there and some things I didn't know. So, good on you. Thanks for that. All right. Alma, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Matt. It was nice of you to do this. Not a problem. Always a pleasure. Enjoy your week, everybody. Thanks for listening and um, we'll see you next week. Bye.